You're a winner. You got the gift. Always remember. You ain't first, last. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna kick 100% of your ass! You're not really listening to me, are you? Uh-huh. I mean, I could say anything right now, like, you're a complete tool. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't hear it, because you're a freak with a microphone. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm glad you were Oh. Anyway, sorry, I'm Leonard. Hey, I'm Ben. And this is California State of Mind. <laughs> this is California State of Mind. For Mr. Ziegler, if I may. Sure, uh, fire away. Uh, do you know who we are? Yeah, junior leaders of. Uh... Future leaders for democracy. Uh, were you briefed on our purpose? Probably not. We're a youth lobby in support of a constitutional amendment to forbid discrimination of voting rights on the basis of age. They want the voting age lowered. We want it abolished. Well, that's radical. Why do we get the brush off today? Why do we keep getting passed down the food chain? Why do you keep looking at our chaperone or Miss Schott to intervene? We're children, and that in itself shouldn't render us meaningless. But in this society, we are meaningless, because we're powerless. We have no voice. Well, that's an interesting point. I'll, 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 I'll read your stuff. The Roosevelt Room... And the brush off again. And why not? No risk in offending us. We don't exist. What is it you want? More than a 15-minute tour and 30-second drive-by. We've been shuffled around 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. It's like there's a plot to keep us from discussing our agenda with anyone that matters. What... Cody means is that children's suffrage is a complex issue, and it... I, I, I get it. Welcome to California State of Mind. I'm Ben. And I'm Lynn. And uh, something I was thinking about, uh, uh, especially from the election last November, is the um, apathy that this country has continued to show in terms of the voter turnout. Yes. And you had an interesting story that you came across and I, I want to know if you can just kind of uh, talk about a little bit here. Yeah. Um, well, recently, uh, California looks like they're, uh, working on legislation to lower the legal voting age to 17, to 17, to 17. And right now, Californians that are 17, if they're going to be 18 by the general election are mm -hmm. allowed to vote in the primary. Now, what I was seeing from 2012, the U.S. Census Bureau, in terms of uh, age groups and voter turnout, right. uh, 18 to 24 specifically has consistently, since 64, what they were showing is the lowest turnout age group comparatively. Um, they, they spike in presidential elections, but uh, for the most part, they don't come out in the same way. Right. I, I'm, I, I'm just wondering if this solves a problem or nothing will change. I, I would think it would solve a pro problem because it allows people. One thing I feel with 18 
especially 18 to 25 year olds mm -hmm. is there's this little gap where you don't really have much that you're too concerned about with politics it, it seems like nothing really affects you until you get to a certain age because for the most part you're not making a whole lot of money right um so taxes aren't a concern certain other things aren't but if you're able to vote while you're still in high school there are things that do concern you quite well even though you're not making money or things of that nature mm -hmm. it still has an effect on one your education and two your life before you leave uh leave the home and go out on your own and being able to make decisions before you're actually out on your own about what's going to happen to you after you're trying to make it yourself i yeah. think would have a bigger impact and um be prudent for people to be able to start voting younger yeah in some ways though i just think it seems a little odd it what well, meaning that and what I mean by that is that it creates yet another demarcation line in terms of what one can do and what one can't do. So to say you're 17, you're not an adult, we're going to let you vote. Well, I think... But again, you can't drink until you're 21, and you can't... And no companies are insurance-wise are going to rent your car unless you're at least 25. Correct. I, I guess I'm just wondering, it seems like such a small distinction that that wouldn't necessarily bear any fruit, or as you were talking about, uh, may benefit one side over the other. All right. Well, and also, I think with allowing younger people to vote, more people to vote, it allows them to be able to, like I said, vote for things that greatly affect them such as being able to change drinking ages where a lot of countries in this world are at 18 to drink anyway what's the difference between there and here and it could get younger activists out earlier um, I agree with you there as far as getting people involved earlier in the process right. and that and that bearing fruit years forward right uh, it, definitely that's a benefit having to i don't know if pander is exactly the correct word for it uh -huh. but for politicians to be have to speak to the younger people i think it changes the face of politics it it allows things to happen at a different pace than it would otherwise Okay. I, I think certain things would speed up. I mean, to me, it almost seems like they're looking at it as an issue and looking at the same uh, non-voting percentage of people and saying, okay, we need more people to actually vote uh, that are registered, not just registered and don't turn out. All right. So why don't we expand the pool? Therefore, we'll get more votes All right. and that it would benefit the left side of the political spectrum in so much as like you were saying just a little bit earlier that well you know they they, they don't have many responsibilities as 17 year olds taxes don't really come into play mm -hmm. and the old adage being that you know if uh, you know uh, to kind of paraphrase if you don't have a heart when uh, if you're you know 
you're you're a leftist, you're a bleeding heart when you're younger, but then you're you're smarter when you're older, meaning that, oh, I have more money when I'm older, therefore I do care about things like tax policy. And so you inherently get more conservative as you get older, and you're inherently more liberal younger. I I think that that tends to be true. Mm. Um but I think I think allowing people the other I it could help people begin to plan for the future at a younger age anyway. Say this is where I wanna be when I'm thirty five, forty years old. Mm -hmm. This is what I wanna be earning, be at financially. Um and it would allow them to help make decisions on the future of the country at a younger age. And I know I keep harping about making decisions at a younger age, but it's true. Well, how, it, young, how, how young do we go? I mean, I've seen in other countries, uh, what was it, Austria, uh, Nicaragua, where they have already lowered the age of 16. I think especially with the Austrian model, what I've seen, um, I think it was the NCBI, not 100% sure what the acronym stands for. I was reading a thesis statement on them yeah. on a study they did uh, for it, and they believe that even though... Well, we'll include that study in the show notes. Yeah. And um, even though they believe that political knowledge might be lower for people under 18, yeah, that they're... That's also true of people over 18. It, it is true. <laughs> Uh, that their uh, willingness to participate actively in political um, activities is as great, if not greater, than 18 to 25-year-olds. Interesting. So they did show a figure that says about 5, 5.6, uh, well... 5.6 out of 10 is the scale most would say that they'd be willing to go vote, which is still 50, 55, 56% of that lower population. Well, it's still a little bit higher than the average. That is. And it, it would, it would give additional votes one way or the other. And yeah, my thinking just politic, politically speaking it will get half support and half not support. I yeah. mean, it already has uh, fault lines built into it. Yes. Uh, which I think, in terms of an actual bill, may may cause a problem. But then, you know, the Democrats have, you know, kind of total control uh, within, the, within the legislature yes. of California in terms of uh, if it would actually go. But, but I, I, I do think that that age group could help getting you know being a driving factor towards getting universal health care because that could be one one um one talking point or one issue uh that could spur them i, I think the other big thing would be university fees definitely and that I, I think. I mean, if you're 17, a lot are. I mean, that's right when you're actively uh, yeah. applying uh, to colleges, and so this has already been, you know, in the thinking process. Even I, if it's pushed on to you, I believe. 
my feeling is if you're 18, you're already starting university or college, some form of higher education. Right. So you're already having to pay those fees anyway. So other than keeping them lower than and not rising tuitions, I don't think you have, I mean, there can be some interest in that age group to lower, but, or even try to get rid of tuition fees. Uh, but I think the mindset is already there that you're going to have to do it anyway. So it's not going to be as big as, an, as big of an issue for them as it will for high school students that aren't quite at that point yet. And that had failed. So yeah. is that a harbinger for what would happen on a statewide I level? I, because I would think San Francisco is rather progressive yeah. in that thinking. And if it can't pass in San Francisco, what would give the state overall? I think, um, I think because it seems like a new idea, yeah. That could be the reason why, or maybe they didn't have enough information about what would happen or mm. why they were, because unfortunately I don't live in San Francisco. I, I don't know too much about that legislation. But then it was a, but Berkeley in Berkeley, they do allow 16 year olds, which I, it, I think is smart it, to, to vote specifically on school board. Yeah. I would say that, you, that seems to be a fit. Yeah. I mean, why not let somebody who's going to school vote on the people that are making decisions about their schooling? Although they definitely are a little berserkly in Berkeley. Because, I, yes. I mean, just think, this was an area where they got Little League, where they have Little League baseball, and there's no score that gets kept in these games. Is that specifically Little League, or is that a separate... You know, it's a good question. I, I would think it was just something separate... that had come to mind uh, yeah. that uh, not too shut up. But that it was, it was definitely parents with little kids in a league yeah. that uh, were playing baseball, but that there was no score being kept. Yeah. Uh, I, so I'm wondering. I, it, it depends on the age of the kid. If they're, you know, first couple of years of learning the sport, so, then there's yeah. no point in keeping score. You're just trying to teach technique. But I mean, they kept score even in my T-ball. <laughs> well, so I don't yeah. know. I know. I, and I think that's a big shift. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, again, it's it's. Well, do we let? But well, I'm just saying, do we then? How how low do we make this age, uh, in terms of what would be appropriate for voting age? I, I there think, are ten year olds. I, I think sixteen would be the absolute earliest. Earliest, uh, I think sixteen year olds have a good grasp on what is going on, or. But wouldn't it? I I, I immediately would think that. Because they don't have the responsibility, they would vote on things. What are free things that are awesome that would increase taxes that I wouldn't have to pay as a sixteen-year-old? Well, yeah, but so give me free to give me free tuition right. for college. Give me a free car so that I can get to point A and point B. I I'm just wondering. I how this I think goes. the tuition <laughs> is a good idea anyway. Yeah, I, I think I think the free cars that. That, that's a pipe dream, anyway, for everybody. 
Yeah, uh, well, I'm wondering because you know there there are people that are coming from student body elections where the winners are the people that promise the most things to the student body and then of these schools. So yeah, I mean, uh, then they're going, well, that is that that's my idea of politics. But right. now now it's affecting adults, yes. not just school. <laughs> yeah, so. I I think I I know I was maybe not as politically aware then as I am now, but I'd like to think that even in high school I was somewhat politically aware. Yeah. And had an idea of what was going on. Well, for me, I think that's when, I mean, especially high school, yeah. where a lot of people really start to blossom a lot more when it comes to politics well, and civics, of, to actually have an, an opinion that's been tailored a yeah. little bit. I, I know uh, I know in uh, the end of 1999, when I was, well, when I was 17, actually, just before, about September, I made sure I had my uh, voter registration card filled out and ready to go the day I turned uh, 18. Yeah. So. Well, it, that kind of leads me to uh, the idea of um, just getting more people registered to vote. Yeah. I mean, you see uh, in Oregon and California just passed in terms of automatic voter registration through right. the Department of Motor Vehicles of that state. Right. And so if you do not want to be registered to vote, then you, you have to actually opt, opt out, out as opposed to where it had been, you know, opt in well, uh, to that well, point. Yeah. And then also I think the other way to not only increase, well, that just increases voter numbers. It doesn't necessarily increase voter Right. Turnout. It doesn't mean that they're going to come out to vote, but at least there isn't. It's it's what it is. It's it's uh, moving aside uh, a hurdle, right? To to register, actually, yes. you know, voting ultimately in the, an election. But I, I I think the one thing, especially that would uh, increase voter turnout in California, we have a no excuse absenteeism program. Mm. So even if you're not too ill to go to the voting booth or Normally, most states it's a temporary. If you're live, you know, if you have to live outside of the state for a while, right? Uh, you're able to vote absentee, or if you're overseas, actually, because if you move to another state, then you have to register in that state. Um, unless, but I'm not 100 percent sure on how long you have to be living there before you have to act, before you have to vote in that area. I think it. Well, I think it varies. Yeah. I mean, depending on the state rules on in terms of what determines residency. Right. Uh, in terms of being able to vote in that election. Yeah. Uh, upcoming um, from a state standpoint, anyway. Right. But, I mean, and I believe it's, is it Oregon that everybody votes by mail? Yeah, it's all mail. There are no polling places and in the I, state of Oregon. I do think that. And they've been doing that for decades. Yeah. I, I do think, I think that helps voter turnout because if you get your ballot in the mail there's no excuse not to vote yeah you just fill it out and send it back well we get to a point when we can vote online or voting by text message or dare i say voting uh, via emoticon i believe it would depend on how safe if we lower it to 17 and maybe 16 will that usher it in quicker I, I think so. I, I, I think if you have a young enough population, especially now with technology, yeah. 
you'll be able to figure out safe ways of voting online or voting on your phone. Or... Well, yeah, it makes me think of it's such a it's an ease and a benefit, and I can see it actually increasing the numbers. Yeah. But like you said, safety involved in terms of hacking in elections yeah. uh, moving forward. Yeah. Anybody, not just the Russians. No, I, I think I think any political campaign when we get to that point yeah. could have a have an influence or have a want to be able to influence the election by some illegal means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would hope that with our system anyway yeah. that people wouldn't and unless you have an independent body that's in control of everything uh, people can take advantage of the system I mean it happens with paper ballots paper ballots can be influenced that's true there's I mean influence is going to happen one way or another from many different forces as far as an election I guess the only thing I would uh, one is uh, a paper trail of some kind. That's why I kind of liked with the voting machines. Yeah. Uh, that you would have a it's touchscreen, but you have a paper backup. Yeah. Uh, I believe Santa Clara County. I know the last election I voted in Santa Clara County. Yeah. Was touchscreen. Uh, so I don't know if they with a paper trail, right? Um. You'd like insert a card and. I. Possibly, but I don't remember a hundred percent. I just remember touchscreen pushing the buttons, um, but, you, but okay. So yeah, with like text messaging as voting, let's say yeah. there'd have to be kind of a, a people would have a belief in that it's safe. Yeah, I mean, much like remember in the early days of online shopping, where a lot of people weren't using credit cards. You talk about online banking, right? There was a hesitancy early on until there was a comfort level. Well, and that's also why you have uh, minimum limit cards that you can get for for that type of stuff anyway. But I think with doing stuff online, California, you can register online right now. Uh-huh. Uh, there, There is the potential for risk in somebody co-opting somebody's registration. Uh, but that's the same with DMV. You can do stuff for DMV, registration of vehicles. You can do online. You can... Uh, I don't know about transfer of ownership, but you can do certain things online that that there's a possibility for corruption. And again, it's it's the belief or having the belief in your government system or the regulatory agency uh, that's handling the issue uh, to make it safe and not allow for any outside corruption to happen to co-opt or corrupt the process but ultimately if those proper safeguards happen i would say i think we would both agree anything that expands the ability of more people to actually vote is a good thing yes why isn't election day a holiday u.s voter turnout is super low we're 31st out of 35 oecd nations 
only about 53.6% of the voting age population votes. Of those who registered but didn't vote in 2014, 35% had work or school conflicts. That means a holiday would go a long way toward helping people vote. Election Day was first established on a Tuesday in 1845 because that was convenient for the farmers who were voting at the time. And that, I think, brings us to uh, another point uh, that was in the news in terms of uh, making uh, the Election Day a holiday. Yes, again, uh, Assemblyman Lowe. Johnny on the spot in the Assembly these yes, days. especially with voting rights and yeah. privileges. Uh, he introduced... Uh, Assembly Bill 674, um, which would make uh, Election Day every two years or uh, general right. Any time that there, what am I reading? Any time there was a there's a statewide or, uh, a national, or a national election, election that this would apply. It, it would make uh, it a state holiday. Uh, state worker or government workers for the state of California, and I forget what the other classification was, mm -hmm. uh, would. Uh, so pretty much any public worker would be able to have the day off to go to the polls and vote um, with the hope that private businesses would also allow their employees the time, the day off or to shut business for the day so that people could go vote. Well, that's what I'm wondering, too, but that's why I would think you, you would need to make... Well, ultimately, even beyond California here, I, you know, California is wanting to kind of push to the bleeding edge of things. Yeah. And then, you know, ultimately, like they say, what happens in California shakes down later into the rest of the country yeah. uh, as as we move forward. Um, I, I but the saying, saying is as good as California, as good as the country. Uh, yeah. yeah. It might take a little bit after California does it. But, but at some point, I mean, yeah. Yeah, California was the first with medicinal marijuana back in yeah. 1996. With Prop 215, so yeah. uh, definitely in terms of the Laboratory of Democracy, California likes to be uh, first and foremost uh, with some new things that do kind of become trends. I think it's probably just with the population uh, as so. it is in California. So, because right now, I mean, you do have safeguards in terms of on Election Day. I believe it is that you at least get two hours off of um, work. Right. To be able to vote I, and not have like repercussions, like right. that's a safeguard that, that that goes back. But yeah, I mean, if you have one day now, would you say that it's? I think in this bill, it's it it is a it's a weekday. It's like at the beginning of the week, Monday. I think it's a Monday or no, it's Tuesday. Well, it'll it'll be, Tuesday. be election day, yeah. probably Tuesday then. But yeah, the um, the first Tuesday following the first Monday in the month of November. But the other option is is to move the election day from a Tuesday, which is in the week, right, to a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And then that way, especially since you have in certain parts of the country large populations that go to churches, you can have the polling place at the church, the community church or meeting hall, whatever it is. Yeah, and as North Carolina has souls to the polls. Yes. Uh, and this would fit in right with it. Yeah, and uh, it, it would just make it easier and more accessible for certain people to be able to go. I think so, but it, you know, you see, as each preceding election, moving back a little bit in time, that better states. 
yeah. uh, in this country, wanting to limit who can vote, when they can vote. You, you see other states that have early voting yeah. that starts you know, weeks before the election, and they're wanting to cut that down, which ultimately then you see long lines. I mean, one that sticks in my mind is uh, the 2004 election in Ohio where these people were waiting in line eight, nine hours yeah. just to vote. Yeah. You're like, there's got to be an easier way. Oh. And maximizing the amount of time. If you're not going to say early voting, then say oh. make it a holiday. You're all, it's Everybody's off. Everybody's closed. This is all about voting. Because, yeah. I mean, I, in other countries, it's mandatory. Yeah. So. I do believe there are some countries that it's effectively a national holiday so that people mm -hmm. can go vote. Exactly. Um, and turnout obviously is higher, if I'm not mistaken, from stuff I've seen previously. Tends to be higher, if only slightly, but it still is in those countries. And they tend to be more knowledgeable about their politics because they know they're going to go vote. Right. So, I mean, even if it's just cursory, they do delve into the things yeah. they're going to vote on as opposed to, yeah, you know, and that's part of the reason why we have such a high number of people that don't vote is that they just don't care and they, you know, also don't even bother, you know, looking it up. They don't see how it, it, it affects them. And, Correct. And more so if their vote means anything. You, yeah. hear, you hear that a lot from people that are like, you know, what does it matter? People, you know, politicians are going to do what they're going to do regardless, regardless of how I vote. I'm just one vote, and that doesn't mean shit. Well, I, part of it is maybe we have to look at the Electoral College and get rid of that and just go on a first-past-the-post uh, election. Well, I know California would like that. Yes, very much so, <laughs> considering our candidate uh, was up by three and a half million votes. Yeah, you know... Uh, California is contentious, no matter uh, who is talking about California. They're talking about California, whether it's good yeah. or bad. But if I'm not mistaken, those three million votes were illegals? Uh, illegals or illegal voting, uh, you know, the fraudulent voting of many yes. kinds, dead people voting. Uh, yes. You know, hearkening back to the days. election in 1960 with yeah. John F. Kennedy getting those uh, dead man's votes in Illinois to yes. beat Richard Nixon. Well, you know, Democrats like to cheat. Ah, uh, well, you know, Mayor Daley in uh, Chicago, man, he uh, he uh, got he, uh, put out all the stops for Kennedy that year. Yes, and uh, he had to be killed for it. So yes, right. sarcasm, folks. Uh... We love our sarcasm here, especially in California. Oh, of course, you got to have a little bit of sarcasm just to get through the day. Yes, <laughs> especially right now. Uh, definitely that and a stiff drink. Yes. Uh, those those help. Those are the uh, two things. That's that's good coping. Yes, I guess we can uh, kind of turn things back and finish up. Uh, last night, USA beat their uh, beat Venezuela in their first second round game. They did. It was uh, it was a nice. Uh, those were comfy chairs to sit in uh, to watch that game. Yeah. Uh, and it, early on, it seemed like the you know, USA was just not connecting on their chances that they had. Anything, it was but, like, bases loaded, one out, oh, double play, okay, yeah. nothing. If I'm not mistaken, King Felix was pitching for Venezuela. Though. He was, and he put in a hell of a start. Yep. I mean, there's, uh, we all know he's that good. Yeah. It wasn't as a big surprise, but, uh, yeah, he's just, King Felix is doing what the king does, yeah. and uh, he showed it again of why he is such a uh, powerful pitcher for the uh, Mariners. If I'm not mistaken, it was uh, 
one to nothing till what the eighth? Till about the eighth inning, and, and then, then uh, the single, a solo shot. And Team USA got the long ball going. Like, homer. Hey, we, we finally get it over the fence here, because yeah. they were getting it close they a few times close, early on. It was like it could go out, and it would hit the warning track. As, as typical with the uh, West Coast Stadium, that marine layer. The marine layer rolls play. in. They're playing in San Diego, Petco. Yeah, yeah. AT and T South, as they uh, we yeah. like to affectionately refer to it up in the especially you know, since Petco like AT and T is. Blocks, well, I mean, AT&T is right on the water. Mm-hmm. Petco, I think, is a couple of blocks from the water, so yep. there's not much buffer between that. And, you know, Oakland Coliseum and L.A. both suffer the same effects. Well, and speaking, of, it just it made me think of it when you said the Oakland Coliseum is, I was reading, that uh, they're going to be lowering beer costs. Really? At the Oakland Coliseum right. uh, by at least a, a few bucks. But uh, I, it was a surprise to me because I figured prices always just keep going up. Well, yeah. You don't expect them to slash prices, although the A's are wanting to get more you know, people into the stands. But, yeah, I would read that. They're going to be cutting the prices on beer. That'll be nice, especially since you can get a lower box for around 30 bucks sometimes. Yeah, exactly. They're just wanting to welcome more people yep. in. We want to give you a reason, no matter what the reason yep. is, to come and see the Oakland A's Take play. part, watch a game, get a little hammered. <laughs> exactly, you know, and uh, you know, take uh, take Bart <laughs> back home. I always, uh, if you're gonna drink, do not drive. Yes, yeah, I, you know, that's one thing we do. Is as big as a Giants fan as I am, when they're out of town, we'll uh, drive from Modesto here to Pleasanton and uh, hop on Bart and go to the Coliseum watching A's game. And uh, sometimes oh, yeah. the ball's not as good, but. No, but uh, you know, uh, any baseball game is yeah. is good fun, no yeah. matter who's oh, exactly. playing. It's, it's just, baseball. You know, the game itself is uh, is good. Again, I'm not a religious man, but if I had to pick a religion, it'd be baseball. <laughs> As Susan Sarandon would say in uh, in uh, Bull Durham, there. That's one movie I can't wait to watch again. Should be coming up on all the premiums or all the uh, holds up. Channels. I, my, my it f- does. My favorite. Uh, well, there's a lot of good, you know, from Tim Robbins to Susan Sarandon yep. uh, to Kevin Costner, obviously. But I like the one marriage everybody thought would last in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. The fact that they well they they kept they had a kept they, they had a, a good ride. Oh, didn't I'll they? give them that. Good long time. Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, Kevin Costner, best films he's ever done are westerns or sports. I feel. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, as as panned as Waterworld was at the time, it's a fun movie to go back and watch. But again, it's a western. <laughs> right. Essentially, it's a western. A western on the sea. Yes. The Pope, uh, Pope, it's, Mad it's, Max of meets the, the same, western. Same concept. You have the loner. Yeah. You have the bad, uh, the bad criminal gang. Mm-hmm. And yeah, where they called the Smokies, I think. Yes, where they kept getting ammunition from. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, where did they get that? Where, where was Dennis? <laughs> it, what, where was Dennis Hopper getting yeah, that? And all that, you know. It, but I mean, at least in Mad Max, they kind of explain that there's a place that drills for oil so that everybody right. can have their cars or to be able to use the cars, and uh, you know, so. That's explained in that, mm-hmm. but they never explain in Waterworld how. <laughs> you don't, you don't need to. All you need to know is that all you need to know to watch Waterworld is two things: 
Kevin Costner drinks his own piss. Yep. And he can Brewing breathe. Like, coffee, correct? Yeah, I believe so. And, <laughs> and, and, and he, that he's evolved to have gills to breathe underwater. Yes. So wow. I, I'm in it. Costner drinks his own piss and breathes underwater. Yep. And it's got oh. Dennis Hopper in it. That's what happens when climate changes or when the yeah, world you know, changes. <laughs> there's that, adaptation. It's becoming a more prescient, prescient movie as yes. time moves forward. Yeah, and uh, actually speaking of of adaptation, I guess uh, Buzz Aldrin was talking about how I didn't get to read the article, but I guess he, he was he, there was an article about him talking about how humans would adapt to life on Mars and oh, what have you. Interesting. So I I think it would be a difficult thing, especially since if we were to live up there, it'd be. Uh, biodome type of things where we wouldn't be exposed to the elements so yeah. our bodies wouldn't necessarily be able to adapt to the well i know what that's what they were recently part of what they've been doing on the international space station they had been doing all these experiments uh on uh, growing food and whatnot uh in an atmosphere equivalent to mars and finding ways to uh feed Possible yeah. people that would colonize uh, Mars for that initial time. And NASA has said that you could grow potatoes on Mars. French fries, baby. French fries. Wow. Yeah. So that means Mars the, uh, the, the book and uh, the movie. The Mar Yeah, uh, just make sure to bring your own fertilizer. Yes. Well, I think we would anyway. Yeah, we'd uh, have to. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> but uh, upcoming... Um, Turning it back to the World Baseball Classic, upcoming game uh, is going to be the USA versus Puerto Rico on uh, tomorrow, on St. Patty's Day, and uh, so I guess I won't get my wish for a, uh, a USA Puerto Rico final then. Uh, no, no, there. This is uh, where they're going to decide it. I'm happy anytime Puerto Rico's playing Angel Pagan. You know yes. uh, the Giants didn't re-sign him. Uh, he has yet to, I believe, re uh, sign with any team, although there's been a little bit renewed interest because of what Pagan's done this World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I, I mean, he's getting up there. He's got his World Series rings with the Giants. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he decides not to sign and if he either takes a year off to decide, but by that point it might be moot or just straight up retire this year. I, mm. I think it would be tough for him, especially how injury-prone he's been the past few seasons. Yeah, he's usually – he is consistent to be out, you know, 30 to 50 games depending. Right. Definitely his back. His back has just caused him the last few seasons with the Giants to, yeah. to take uh, more and more extended periods of yeah. time off on, on the DL. So I, I think it will be difficult for him to come back, but – I would like to see him play again. I'd like to see. I'd like to see him play at the major league level yep. with some ball club. Yep. I think he's got baseball left but in the tank. Barring that, I uh, I would expect we'd see him uh, as an assistant coach somewhere, as an outfield coach or something, mm. and possibly even a batting coach. I mean, he was a yeah, I think he so. was a middle, He was a good batter. Um, he had a good stance. He had good, and good speed. Yep. And that's the other thing is uh, base coach because he had that speed, especially yeah. when he was younger playing with the Mets. I think he stole more bases when he was with the Mets than he did with the Giants. Yeah, I believe that. Um, And uh, 
and so I think he would be a good person to help explain to a young player how to take off from first and what type of stance to get when you're leading off and how to turn and get the most speed out of it. He definitely has a wealth of knowledge. I, I would love to see uh, younger players kind of pick his brain a little bit and for him to uh, extend uh, that knowledge uh, to the next generation yeah. of baseball players. Now, look, continuing to look at San Francisco Giants spring training, I know you're kind of a naysayer on it, but I have to say I am pulling for Michael Morris, and he keeps showing that he is doing well. I read it was the uh, McCovey uh, okay. Cro- uh, uh, Cove Chronicles that were saying essentially that at minimum – he is making it difficult for the Giants' office that he could very well make that 25-man roster and be a good off-the-bench player okay. beginning opening day. He has been winning games and hitting RBIs. Yeah. I, and he's been playing first base, so there's another guy. Yeah, and that, that gives Brandon Belt time to rest here and there and because he's been injury-prone recently. And like, and like you were saying... Hunter Pence, his buddy, likes the idea as yeah. well. Well, Hunter Pence got him, yeah. <laughs> but I I still don't know. I I like Michael Morse. He mm-hmm. he's a good he was a good ball player and he helped the Giants out in twenty twelve. Uh but I don't know. I just don't know the sample size of what he's been doing, it it's... Now, I'm not saying he's going to be with the team for the whole regular season, but I'm talking about opening day and however long after opening day right. he may last. That's debatable. I, I do think, I think there he, are... I think he has a strong chance to make the 25-man roster come at opening day. Okay, but what happens if Brandon Belt goes down for the long haul? Michael Morris can't be an everyday player these days. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't thing. think... You talk about all the Giants players I've been seeing that have been taking some time at first base. Another one, Connor Gillespie, taking time at first base. P- perhaps uh, Connor will pick up the slack. Right, but then what do you do with Christian Arroyo? Because I think you, uh, you, you I, I, I feel Christian you, Arroyo. You, you, you keep have him to... in the you keep him in the minor league oven to bake a little bit more. Uh, sorry, and, and, he'll, and he'll he'll be an expanded roster update come September. He needs to. I think this is the year he needs to come up. This is the year they need to start his clock. Uh, Otherwise, he may be dished off to somebody else in some trade or something. Correct. Uh, there's always the potential of him getting picked up on a roll five, mm-hmm. um, and the Giants can't. This would be, especially with Eduardo Nunez, who knows how long he's got. Right. Um, Christian Arroyo would shore up that infield and make it pretty much, well, effectively five positions, and depending on who's pitching that day, six positions on the field that are homegrown. And that's different from any other ball club in the league. How many ball clubs have that many homegrown players in their lineup on a regular basis? There's only a handful of teams that really have super uh, and great, can actually high quality farm system have potential to win 
playoff games and World Series with it. True. Uh, the Giants do. The Giants rubric uh, in those uh, in 2010, 2012, 2014, it was the mix of the homegrown talent, and then usually some key trade would pay off at near the deadline right. in July. Uh, I'd be curious to see where that where that will lead, but you know. Time, uh, time will tell when we when we get to uh, late July yep. what will happen there. Another thing I've been uh, seeing um, more that they're talking about, and what made it a little bit more interesting when I read it this time, because it's been an ongoing thing about um, Matt Cain, right. is that the uh, Giants GM was kind of up in the air about uh, not that Mike he didn't seem fully behind Cain. He was saying, well, we'll see. He's a great contributor, and we want to have him uh, contribute however he can with I, the team in whatever the, the, role the that first, The first month of the season is probably going to decide where he ends up. Mm. Uh, if he can't get back to where he was two, three years ago, yeah. three years ago, I think, two years ago is when he had his injury. Yeah. Uh, if he can't get back to where he was about three years ago, I think uh, he – he might be more willing than Lincecum ever was to be long relief out of the bullpen. To be long relief out of the bullpen and be a spot starter. Yeah. I, I think Matt Kane knows what he might have to do to help this ball club win. Well, because last year it seemed like he, he was he would do well for the first four innings and the fifth inning is when he got is hit. when he would get uh destroyed or every once in a while he would survive it, but that fifth inning was always that question. And then the problem with that was bullpen was rubbish. <laughs> By well, yeah, I mean, exactly. It, um... But again, I think that could have been a contributing factor because they had two or three pitchers that couldn't necessarily get out of the fifth inning. No. So they were using bullpen on a regular basis. And so the talk has been... Ty Block taking that fifth spot in the rotation. Well, again, because of the amount of money that they owe Matt King, sure, I think it'll they'll have to have a good sample size. I mean, a month well, will one, still be one, too what, small. I think what you're size. saying is because the Giants are paying him so much, they at least have to give him the courtesy to have him in the starting rotation yeah. for the first month, let's say, and then reevaluate at that let, time. Let, let's say through June. Uh, sorry. Uh, let's say through May. Oh, okay. So, so two, you, you give let, him, let's give him the two first months. two months. Okay. So that's what five or six starts. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a better sample size than two or three. Mm. Uh, and he may struggle the first game or two. Uh, with full on game mode, but I think as long as he can keep himself calm. Even if he struggles a little bit in that second game and shows improvement from the first game, I think the potential for him to get better as the season goes along will increase. But if he just gets blasted the first two games, then I think it's a different story. Oh, okay. Uh, the other guy that I couldn't think about the uh, last time we talked about the Giants was uh, who was the spot, uh, spot starter a lot of the time and also kind of filled that fifth spot in the rotation role last year, Albert Suarez. Yes. Albert Suarez, uh, I liked when he pitched. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think when you have 
a Ty Block. I, I, I think Ty Block will be a better starter. Uh-huh. Uh, and Albert Suarez will be a good uh, long reliever spot start here and there. Uh, but we'll see. Give him a chance, right? I, I think so. I mean, it makes me think, you know, you. Uh, I believe uh, Buster Posey was a, what, September call-up? His first, that, well, that, first, that, that first partial that was, season. That, that was, was 2009. But that, but that, you never know these guys in the minor leagues, you know, who will be the surprise. Yeah. There's always a surprise or a few surprises every year. Uh, it'd be interesting to see who ends up being that surprise yeah. that we aren't even talking about right now. Well, that's true. Uh, there's a few non-roster invites. Wait, who was talking Connor Gillespie at the beginning of spring training last year? I was Yeah, no, I don't think anybody. I, I think unless you really, really knew AAA ball, yeah. which I like to know who's down there, but I don't follow it as closely as I probably Right, you're not could. a Major League Baseball scout. So. Right. <laughs> I, I think... Certain people probably had an idea that he was going to be good and could have the potential of making it onto the big club that year. Well, what was funny, and last year uh, 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 they had talked about it, because he played for the White Sox for a little bit before the Giants. And one guy who said, watch out for Connor Gillespie, was Hall of Famer Frank Thomas. He saw this guy and he said, man, he is a fighter at the plate. And what what kind of uh, endears me uh, a little bit more to Connor Gillespie is he doesn't wear batting gloves. No. He grabs the dirt, he rubs it in his hands, and he grabs the bat. That's like what I do when I play softball. And you don't see it this no. day and age, and no. so when you do see it, it stands out. So well, see, now when, when my dad played ball, he said they used to, because batting gloves hadn't really been invented, mm-hmm. there were golf gloves. So you buy yeah, a right and left-handed golf glove. Yep. And you wear those. But... I mean, even into the 60s, major leaguers weren't wearing batting gloves. It probably wasn't until 75, 76 that guys were wearing batting gloves on a regular basis. Well, yeah, there was a, you know, uh, they were more manlier men back in that age. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they weren't you, these soft princesses that. Exactly. You, you would be caught dead wearing some kind of glove uh, yeah. then, otherwise, you would have been made fun of. Not not to say that all uh, baseball players are pampered princesses. No, no, not everybody. Uh, hashtag not all baseball players. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I I agree with that. I, I think uh, there's been a difference, uh, especially what? with uh, technologies that track player fitness in-game. And Oh, everything you're seeing. It, like, I was seeing that the new uh, st- uh, stat cast that they're uh, introducing this year in 2017 is the fielding probability stat. It'll give a percentage based on the route and where the ball was hit of regard uh, if the um, fielder catches it or doesn't catch it, it'll give a percentage of fielding uh, probability oh. on it. Oh, wow. Based on the route. That that sounds... and um, So even if a guy dives, right. you're going to see a percentage of the fielding probability. Yeah. And so... Uh, I mean... MLB just approved a new wearable as well. Um, oh, did they? Yeah, that tracks uh, in-game fitness levels. A, a new way of tracking those, plus sleeping patterns for the athletes. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much a Fitbit. 
Okay, um, I was steroids. Um, so it helps the training team figure out where they need what they need to do to keep at a certain fitness level. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the biggest example of using wearable fitness technology uh, for me is uh, in English football uh, in the Premier League, um, Leicester City. Who won the league last? Oh, yeah, season. they were like the Cinderella team. Yeah, and one of the big reasons was for uh, uh, was for it was that every player during training and when they were off the field, they had something that the trainers could look at to see what their levels were at, and if a guy needed a rest, uh, they wouldn't allow him to train or uh, would ask the manager of the team to uh, sit him or only use him as a reserve for a game, uh, which increased their fitness levels and their performance ability. Uh, as much as I'm an Arsenal fan, it was a, a good move by Leicester to do that, and which ultimately helped them win the championship last year. Uh, yeah, anything that helps. It might not work for every, ball, uh, every uh, football club, right. but... Uh, if it works for them, and it, and it did yeah. <laughs> that year, clearly. Uh, and it, well, in, in you speaking of that team, uh, you know, we're in March here, uh, March Madness, college basketball. Uh, and I saw that a surprise, you know, a team that made uh, the tournament was UC Davis. Oh, really? Yep. Ah, yes. Well, they played um, – who did they play the other day? I ended up seeing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and they yeah I'm not sure I didn't they just sure they played just barely won that game yeah. um but I I didn't realize they were in uh, D1 they made it in uh, and the reason the other thing that caught my eye uh, when I was reading about them making the tournament was uh, they were interviewing I believe it was uh, UC Davis's president or whoever the the head is of the uh, college and evidently the um, the betters have put the probability of UC Davis winning the whole tournament at five thousand to one. See, that, that's what that's exactly the odd luster were to win the uh, Premier and League so, last season. Uh, the quote from the pre- uh, from the president of UC Davis was, "We're a pro- we're a five thousand to one shot, so it's all about hope." Yeah, like this is the season. This is the time for hope, and I'm like, well. Wow, you're really <laughs> oh. pulling at things and say, you know what, that 5,000 to 1 chance, that's hope. If you're an Aggie fan or even if you're not, it might be worth uh, making that short drive from Sacramento to Reno. Oh, definitely. And putting that 10 spot on. I would. Just put a little bit down. Let's yeah. talk about a good return on your investment. Put it in now because if they start uh, making it round after round, wow, that probability decreases. I believe the first round started today. And uh, Gonzaga, I last I saw they were winning. So Gonzaga uh, is always competitive in these things. Yeah, I remember the first year they made the tournament. It was big news. It, it was like UC Davis making the tournament this year. It was and like I, what, Gonzaga. I win? had them going all the way, and they almost did it, but they ruined my bracket that year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, those are the days where you had the you know like what Kentucky powerhouse. Uh, yeah, you also yeah, had guys that played four years in college before they went to the NBA. 
Sorry, uh, true, say that out loud. It's true. Yeah, they're not even bothering. I mean, it makes it. Yeah, you talk about the differences between the NBA basketball or you know college, uh, for that uh, matter, and baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball is one of the last professional sports that has such a good farm system that right. you don't just. You can sign with a team and then jump into the major league level. No, right. you work your way up. Even if you're just the best matter. player that you you've are. seen, if you're the LeBron James of baseball. Yeah. But like LeBron James or Kobe Kobe Bryant in basketball where they're signing these guys out of high school. Yeah. Some are even foregoing college altogether. Yeah. And I I think I think a lot of guys, even if they're going to college, yeah. they're one and dones. They're playing their one year and then getting drafted. Oh, exactly, because they go, if I can make money now, I'm going to go for the short-term money-making yep. situation before, you know, getting a degree. Right. Or as... And getting more experience at yeah. the collegiate level. Yeah, well, baseball, I mean, you have two routes to go. You can go to college first. And then get drafted, but then you still start in the minors. You might start at a higher level if you played college yeah. than if you go straight out of high school. But baseball has a real developmental path for players. I think that's the thing, because some of these do, teams do sign the players at, at young ages, like 16 years yeah. old, 17 years old. Not to say that, but the fact that there still is time and years put in, even when they sign them at such a young age, before they actually get to the professional level. And I think that they've honed it a little bit. I mean, and the talk about unsung heroes in baseball is the coaches and managers in the minors, whether it's single A, double A, triple A. You don't hear about them, but the impact that they have on these players. Also, also beyond that, without the host families in some of these cities, these players wouldn't be able to play the game. Definitely. They don't make that much money in the... It would be difficult for them to survive otherwise. Yep. Well, uh, I don't have anything else right now, so. I, I think we might be talked out from the past two days. I believe so. I think uh, we uh, we got a little bit out, but uh, we'll uh, take some time off and we'll uh, fill up our gas tanks again, and we'll be uh, right back at it. So, yeah. I think that'll say uh, that'll be it for now. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. And, uh, hey, uh, take some time, get into a quiet spot, and uh, tap into that California state of mind. See you later. Bye.